everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? This is really interesting, Matt, because we have uh, this week's episode and next week's episode are both actresses from this same um, TV series. Ah, uh, yes, I remember that. And I think that's kind of cool that we're having, like, back-to-back, you know, actresses from this same um, hit show. Yeah, that's true. And we can kind of, you know, like, uh, after we've interviewed them both, kind of, like, compare the characters. And uh, because I'm, you know, I'm wondering, like, are they very different um, characters or are they similar? Are they good or bad or you know just all those things so we'll have a better idea of that after um, we've spoken to both of them uh, but this show is three pines um you know it, it was the number one rated show uh, it premieres in canada so um it's filmed in canada in quebec Burr. <laughs> and you know we have um a like american um TV is influenced a lot by Canadian uh, actors, musicians. You know, there's just a lot of talent there. That's true, yeah. Uh, trying to think of who I remember is from there. Um, uh, Celine Dion, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that pops to my mind immediately. Just really an icon. Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Uh, Brian Adams and... Uh, yeah. Shania Twain, I believe, is from there. Yes, yes, she is. And, uh, you know, the Trailer Park Boys. um, Oh, my God. (laughs) I love that show. Bubbles, if you're listening, I'd like to interview you. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, my gosh, yes. I would love to have the Trailer Park Boys on here. All right. Maybe not all at once, (laughs) because, you know, that would be, it'd be so much fun, though. Um. But there are other, like, Schitt's Creek is also an excellent, um, you know, Canadian-based television show. And, and that brings us to, um, you know, the the dad on there, Eugene Levy, um, Canadian. Oh, I didn't know that. Or maybe I did. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's a great, you know, it was a great series. I was sad to see it end. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, there's just a wealth of talent uh, but our guest today, Anna, um, she is actually uh, not originally from Canada, but, um, you know, we're going to find out uh, how she ended up in Canada and a part of this um, TV show. So this Three Pines, it's a uh, mystery kind of show or crime drama? or Yeah, um, you know, kind of like figuring out who who done it that kind of like a Columbo kind of thing I guess ah I see so did and you did you watch Columbo um, I did you know 
<laughs> I always say Dumbo Columbo because, um, you know, that kind of tells you, like, my thoughts on uh, <laughs> a lot of the crime shows like that because it's like, okay, you know, they figure them out in, like, such a clever way that you, one, either have already picked up on who, you know, like, I'm pretty intuitive and I'm like, okay, I already know who it's going to be or whatever. Right. Or they're, like, so, you know, it's, like, so bizarre in the way that they find the answer that it's not believable. And I just felt like Columbo was kind of like that. So, you know, I mean, I did watch it, though, so, um, you know. What does that say? I'm a Columbo (laughs) fan, but, you know. Yeah. I I would not say that's my favorite um, type. TV show to watch. What's your favorite crime drama, though? I mean, like, that in that vein. Well, I mean, could I count The Sopranos? Because, <laughs> you know, like, somebody was always trying to figure out, like, who was... No, I don't think I, I don't think The Sopranos would... It's, um, so, The Mentalist is, is pretty interesting. Um, at least the, the guy's pretty hot. So I'm gonna go, you know, with that. Like, <laughs> like he has a look. Um, so, um, but what I do like about it, because again, I mean, he he's like Dumbo Columbo in that, you know, it's like, again, silly ways that they figure out, right? You know, yeah. Done it, but but he does have like a, a um, you know, like a story that goes throughout like he's in search he's got his own demons right, uh, that yeah. he's trying to deal with so uh, I don't know have you watched The Mentalist? Um, I may have seen like bits and pieces of it I don't remember ever sitting down and watching a whole episode but uh yeah did you just stare at him like his eyes and all that are dreamy but yeah um, yeah no I did not yeah well you know like, I mean, the girls, there's a redhead on there and whatever, too. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I mean, just saying that it's, uh, um, you know, I also am a big fan of The Blacklist. Um, yeah, yeah. See, really I was going to say maybe, like, you were a fan of Charlie's Angels or McLeod or, you know, The Rockford Files or something like that. Yeah, well, after me saying Dumbo Columbo, you're probably going <laughs> to out most of those, you know, I don't know. Or what was the one where the guy was, like, researching a book and he used to help solve crimes and stuff? Oh, yeah, what was that? Um, um, Castle, was it? Maybe Castle. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, you have House, too, if you want to, like, throw the medical, you know, like... He's always trying to solve, like, what's, you know, wrong with that person. And they've got, you know, like, something that maybe one in ten million people would ever encounter. But Yeah, he saw a lot of really interesting cases, apparently. Yeah, so, you know, so there's just all kinds of things like that. Uh, I mean, do you, do you like that kind of thing? Or do you find them, like, a bit of a stretch Uh, you know once in a while i'll get into it i don't watch a lot of tv so um you know once in a while i'll sit down and watch something and if it piques my interest while i'm channel surfing then i'll watch it but um generally i don't watch a lot of tv so 
Um, did you watch like the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, um, I, Murder She Wrote? That's another one. Um, I didn't really watch it. I read some of the books though, because my brother was big into that, and uh, so the books were laying around the house, and you know, I read some of the Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys stuff. Cool. But it was but always like this. It was it was always the creepy lighthouse keeper that did it. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in Scooby Doo, that was probably my favorite <laughs> crime story. You know, was Scooby Doo. <laughs> well, you know, Three Pines is also based off of um, you know, of a book. So. I find that interesting too, and that's one thing I'd like to, you know, hear from the actresses. Like, did they read the book first? Like, were they familiar with the book before right. uh, that they auditioned um, to be a part of the series? Yeah, that'll be interesting to find out. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. So, uh, you know, let's make sure one of us asks a question. <laughs> well, you brought up the Hardy Boys, so. <laughs> Well, yeah, only because, you know, Sean Cassidy was... Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I just, um, I guess when you think back over it, I mean, you know, there there have been a lot of of really top-rated crime shows. People, you know, there's a big audience fan base for those so yeah i mean look at law and order i mean law and order is until like year year 85 or something isn't it and you know i i do think um by and large i i think those are a bit more realistic in the way that they go about solving things so Uh, yeah you know but i mean everything can't be the same because then you know um that would just like take away from all these shows. So three, three pines. Um, what I've watched so far is, um, uh, is very creative and, um, it definitely has like some shocking moments and, um, the characters are like, uh, really, really well developed, uh, of where I am in this season so far. All right, well, let's uh, talk to Anna and uh, find out what she's been doing on the series. Yeah, let's see, you know, if we can, like, solve any mysteries about her. (laughs) All right, well, here... Colombo, let's get with it. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Anna, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions today. We're so excited to have you as our guest. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. You have such a fascinating story, and it seems to me like, um, I don't know, like fate maybe plays a part of so much of your life, and I just want to hear this story and how it all ties together so I guess my first question um you know it ties into your love story so let's start there um you were uh traveling as a production of our country's good in Toronto so does that sound accurate so far absolutely yeah Okay, and so you had been, like, this was a seven-week tour, and in the last week of that seven-week tour, 
what happens, you end up <laughs> in a dive bar in Toronto. <laughs> exactly. And... Should I take it from there? Yes, I, I must yeah. know. How did that happen? Okay, so, yes. Um, let's, start, let's start from there. So, seven years, maybe even eight years ago now, I think. Um, the years, they keep adding up, don't they? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> eight years ago now, I, yeah, I was on tour with um, a play called Our Country's Good, which was a revival of a show that was done originally in the 80s at the Royal Court in London. And we were taking it back to one of its original touring spots in Toronto at the Royal Alex uh, Theatre. And we were on tour for seven weeks in Toronto. Prior to that, we'd been in Minneapolis for uh, for six weeks. And in the, in the last week of touring, we, me and some of the cast members went to this bar called Grossman's Tavern. And Grossman's Tavern, I think to most people, would seem like a dive bar, but to me was just completely charming and wonderful. And every... Every Sunday, they, they would have the New Orleans band play, um, you know, late into the night. And the kind of tradition there was that anyone could get up on stage and sing. And although I'm, I'm an actor and a performer, I wasn't really a confident singer. And I, I, wanted to, I wanted to make a point before I left and went back to London that I would also get up on stage and sing a tune with these, with these guys. And one night... Um, there was a different band playing and there was someone playing uh, the band guitar uh, who happens to now be my husband. <laughs> um, he was there, he was playing that night and um, I, had, I had asked him, um, you know, how do you like go about asking to like get up and sing a tune? And, and then it, everything kind of went from there. He helped me pick a song and uh, I got up on stage finally before you know, going back to the UK and it was a bit of a disaster. They didn't really know the song, <laughs> and, um, but but I did it. I did it. And even though it kind of all went wrong, it was the blossoming of a, of a romance between me and my partner, Gabriel DeSantis. Um, and we really didn't expect a, a long-term relationship. I think partly for me, you know, I just recently lost my, my father at that time. And so going back to the UK, I couldn't really imagine splitting myself between London and Toronto. And it was all kind of out of the question. But as soon as I got back to London, um, we we would call each other every night. And, and then it just went from there. And Gabriel moved to London for two years and we lived on a narrow boat. We converted a narrow boat and, and lived on that, on the canals in London. And and then after two years, it was sort of my turn to come to Toronto and feel things out here, and and that's kind of what led me to the work that I'm doing right now, which is a TV show that's set in Canada and it's filmed in Quebec and the Eastern Townships and in Montreal, and it's funny all that wouldn't be happening right now if I hadn't have come here eight years ago and and met my partner and and you know had this kind of connection to both London and Toronto so there you go so, <laughs> so what song did you sing I'm dying to know that no one uh, seemed to really know well 
we were really shocked that they didn't know it. Um, but I think because they usually just do kind of old-timey tunes and blues tunes, but they didn't know Nina Simone's I'm Feeling Good. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> the, the tempo, I think, was probably all wrong. And, you know, they just had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> So was it love at first sight? Um... It was in a way. I mean, it was, like I said, I you know, I was kind of going through a big grief period in my life. So I think part of me wasn't really switched on to being vulnerable enough to be in a place that I could be in a, you know, a relationship, let alone with someone from another country. I think my heart was, protecting itself from going there but um you know i think we're both luckily very patient people and and that was what was required for us to you know keep talking every day and just we kind of became friends and then it just kept growing in that way which is really lovely actually so how long after you went back um how long did you talk before um, he ended up moving there? So I think we did. Uh, we were apart for a couple of months, and then he came to London for. It was the first time he'd been to London. He came for a couple of weeks, and then a few months later, I went to Toronto for a month, and we drove down to New Orleans and we, you know, spent time in Toronto. And then some months later from then, Gabe uh, applied for like a two-year under-30s visa and, and he got that and, and then just did the brave leap and moved to London for two years. So we did kind of a year and a bit of, of long distance and, and moving back and forth and, yeah. So what was it like on the, like living on the narrow boats? It was magical. It was one of my favorite, favorite times. Um, I'm sure we look at it through rose tinted glasses because there were lots of things that went wrong as well. Um, and we bought, you know, an older boat because that's all we could afford. And, and we, you know, snapped her up and got her looking really good. She's called the looking glass. Um, and, I loved it. I kind of liked that that wandering way of life. You know, every two weeks you you move the boat a little bit further along and you kind of move east to west and then west to east. You have to sort of continuously be cruising, never too far, but that's just sort of to keep the waterways moving so they don't get too, you know, clogged up in any one area with too many boats. And, um, you know... I could a few steps and I could walk out my my front door of my boat and and be in nature you're by the water you're usually by parks you're in kind of parts of London that are the nicest parts of London but they're slightly off the beaten track you know you'll be in a park or something like that and people won't even know the canal is there but it's right there and I used to sit on the roof of my narrow boat and drink my coffee and I just loved it it was a really active way of living and you know you had the stove on the boat which was just so romantic in a lot of ways and um yeah 
I loved it. That sounds wonderful. Um, so what was it like then um, moving from that back to Canada? Very different. I mean, funnily, the first time I mentioned the idea of living on a boat to, to Gabriel, <laughs> he was just like, what? You're crazy <laughs> because he was used to Canadian weather and he just thought, are you, are you mad? Like you were going to freeze. He didn't understand <laughs> that like the, the English seasons could allow for it. So moving back, we, um, we again were living in quite a small space. We were used to living in small spaces, um, but we were really near a park, which was ideal. I think we liked the close to nature and, um, and you've got the lake in Toronto, which is gorgeous. And, but it was, it was, you know, a lot of new things and, and you're sort of putting yourself out there to start a life in a new place. And, and that takes a lot of work, but I think there's so much to be learned from moving to a new city if, if you're willing to kind of put yourself into that place and, and make it yours. I think there's a lot to be learned from different cultures and, you know, I was used to being a very uh, self-deprecating British person and then <laughs> quickly learned that the uh, Toronto, you know, film and TV actors were just so much more confident. And I was like, oh, God, OK, I've got to, I've got to really up my game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't know what it is about British actors often, you know, they don't like to admit that they're very, very good at good at anything, you know. We just, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm you know. Sure, I'm a good actor, but no, I don't want to brag about it. You know, whereas Toronto actors are like, "Yeah, I'm great at what I do, and uh, why would I say otherwise?" You know, this is like really <laughs> straightforward, confident, and and I was like, "Wow, this is." I need to maybe learn a bit of that, and so you know, have you <laughs> developed that? Say that again. Um, have you developed that skill now that you are able to just be confident when you say, speak about your talents? I think so. I think, you know, even just the sense of walking into a room and, and not seeming totally shy, you know, you have to be able to let, let the people know that you're going to be all right on set because otherwise they just think, is this poor girl okay? You know, she's great when she's taping, but she's very shy. Mm. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think I have, I think I've managed to find a good, a good balance. Well, so moving back to Canada led you to this opportunity for three pines. So how did that happen? Yeah. So I was actually, I was filming something in London in October, 2020, I think. And it was a project called Deceit for Channel 4, and it was written and created by Emilia de Girolamo, who also wrote and created the adaptation from Louise Penny's novels um, into the Three Pine series. And at the time, I had uh, finished filming on Deceit, and after filming, I got just the, the loveliest message from Emilia, which doesn't normally happen, I think, you know, from production or directors or writers you don't normally get a kind of personal note from from them and she reached out and was just so generous and uh lovely about my performance and so on and um was very grateful and 
she then at that point let me know about this project that she was writing and it was going to be shooting in Canada and you know she said it's based on these novels and she doesn't know when it's going to audition or what but she just wanted to let me know that it was happening and she'd only seen me in this 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 one role that I filmed uh, for for her before and um, you know really she didn't know me that well but something about Amelia's nature and her very I think generous and intuitive kind of reaching out meant that she told me about the project and she knew I was in Canada as well as London and so I threw myself into the novel and quickly started to identify with this character that I'm now actually playing um, who's an artist who lives in in uh, this this quirky uh, town of Three Pines, and um, when it came time to audition, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how it would go, and there was no guarantee of anything. And even if they liked me, Amazon would have to approve. And you know, you go through so many stages of of that audition process. And um, but luckily, I think being able to read the books for for all those months, I was really immersed in those stories and and in that character and so it was a really great place to be able to go to an audition because normally you have maybe a couple of days to prepare for something and you really notice the difference when you've got all that time to let it really sink in on a deeper subconscious level and so it was a really enjoyable audition and and luckily it all worked out. Um, had you identified as an artist, um, you know, other than acting, were you, um, like, into visual arts um, before you auditioned? Yeah, I, I was actually. And, I mean, I, I come from quite an artistic family. Um, my my dad was also an actor um, before he passed, but he was also very artistic and one of the first uh, jobs that he had was um, he, he worked at a printer's a printer studio and he used to be able to illustrate and draw incredible drawings so he had that innately in him and my mum is an artist and she does many many different things she's a she's a painter primarily but she also crochets and she crochets jewelry which I ended up wearing as this character Clara in Three Pines because she's a very kind of tactile person and so it didn't make sense to wear lots of metal so I was I wore all these wonderful organic things that my mum had made and they were perfect for the character and my sister's a jeweler and but also studied fine art and she's like my mum she can kind of do everything and and so although I had studied drama primarily I was always really good at drawing I really enjoyed painting when I had the time to do it and always had an interest in it but never really had the time to dedicate to it and funnily enough since filming in the year after we finished I started to take pottery lessons and I've now kind of I, I, I'm about to kind of launch my own pottery business which is wild to think about but I I really got into pottery and in a way that you know, drawing and painting and all, uh, or you know, graphic design didn't really quite do it for me. I like, I was good at it, but it didn't 
sucked me in. And as soon as I started pottery, it was like an obsession. And it was all of my skills that I had artistically went into this new art form. And so this whole last year when I've not been acting, I've been making pottery and and I'm about to kind of launch all that. And it's, yeah, it's crazy to think that I just kind of went for it. So I think I read that your great grandfather um, built kilns, maybe? Yes, yes. So my, so I, I started this kind of journey and then some way into it, my mum told me, she told me first that my grandmother, um, had told her my mum had asked her you know what would you have wanted to do if you weren't a teacher and she said I would have loved to have been a potter and I never knew this about my grandmother and then she told me that my great-grandfather had built kilns and that's something that my mum remembers from her childhood so it's clearly somewhere in in our story and I mean pottery is you know, a very ancient tradition. So I'm sure it's in a lot of people's stories, which is no doubt why it's so fascinating to so many people, you know, when they get into it, it's very, um, it's very all encompassing. Um, yeah, it's, it's there in, in the family tree, which is bizarre. Um, but it, it's a talent that you could have like just skipped over, um, had you yeah. not like experienced it um you know that's that's so weird to me like it seems like all these things keep happening to you that you know like move you in this direction that you're supposed to be or something um, mm. it's so it's a really um, nice way of thinking about it i think the more that we can kind of without overthinking something just keep leaning towards things that make sense it's it's only ever in time that we realize that they that it had some kind of deeper meaning right you know you only yeah. maybe notice 10 years 10 years down the line that that uh that it had an impact yeah and now you're starting your own pottery business um you know how fascinating is that just from you know, a talent that you didn't know you had and then you, you know, experience and you like just fall in love with it and and now you're going to that next level. Um are you are you nervous about that? Excited? How are you feeling? Yeah. Um well how I I guess how I how it kind of catapulted um, was again in like you said one of these sort of organic um, directions so when I first moved to Toronto I uh, one of my first jobs I had was as a server at a place called Bellwood Brewery um, and it's it's one of the kind of nicest restaurant uh, spaces in in Toronto and just this last year I um, was talking to the manager there and she 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 knew I was doing pottery and just starting and she said the candle holders and, and the vases we need small candle holders and little bud vases and it oh no I don't think I'm ready I'm just at the beginning are you sure you want me to do this you know I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna ruin it 
I just I, I just kind of held my nerve and and said, Yeah, I'll I'll do that and then very quickly knew that I had to get things very, very good, very fast. So it meant it was a kind of catalyst for me to go into the studio every day. And so I found a studio that I could work at every day and I got very, very good, very fast. And so my journey with the business kind of started with a personal commission for a, a public space, which I've now completed and we're launching it in the space next week. And so now it's a weird part of, of sort of having this thing that I've made, this body of work and having to create a website and a social media. And, and you know, you've just created all of this physical work that was quite taxing. The thought of then having to sort of brand yourself and do all that, that kind of aspect of it is, is a little bit intimidating and a little bit exhausting, if I'm honest. Um, so I'm just trying to kind of pull back enjoy what I've done so far, share it with the world and with the people around me and just kind of take a step back. I think, you know, we can get very obsessed with a project and not leave ourselves any time to really think about the next step and enjoy the next step. And I want to enjoy this process. I don't need it to be a all-encompassing money-making venture I'd like it to be an artistic journey and so I'm really really trying to tell myself to just take it slow from this point and hopefully you'll see the website and everything come out soon it's called spell jar pottery and um yeah it'll all be out soon but trying not to rush at the same time don't know if you can relate to that Yes, and and I, I think um, I just I can't wait to the website does um, up and running so we can look at the work that you've created. Um, what has been um, the most rewarding thing about Three Pines and the role that you're playing? Hmm. I think the most rewarding thing. It's hard to pinpoint one thing. I, I think the whole the project as a whole was was such a dream, really, and I really can't fault any one part of it. Um, and I think for all those different elements to work so well together, you really need great people who are who are kind of running who are running it. Um, and Alfred Molina who was our number one and our, you know, lead actor. He was one of those people who who really helped to solidify everyone as a family. And I think that's the aspect that I enjoyed the most is that we were all able to feel like a family and there was very little ego on set, which was um, facilitated by Alfred and his his generosity and he never made anyone else feel like they weren't, you know, the same. And so I think that, that that's a very special thing because, you know, unlike the theatre, you're not rehearsing for 
four weeks and getting to know each other and making all these connections and telling stories on a film set or a TV set, you're, you're turning up with the work as ready as it's ever going to be. And you have a very small rehearsal before you shoot and it's very piecemeal and it's very um, fleeting. And, you know, then you go back to your trailer. And so when you have someone on set who's really binding everyone together and making everyone feel really relaxed on set, that's such, um, it's such an important quality to share around a company because it means everyone is just happier and, and is willing to go the extra mile. And, and the same goes for the crew as well. I think they all commented that it was the, you know, the best, the best crew, the best, that they've ever worked on I really think that is testament to Fred Molina so yeah I would say say that so when you um when you're watching the episode um do you do you have a, a character that you really like um yeah who's my favorite oh there's so many um I think one of my favorites has to be Tantu Cardinal, who plays B. Maya. Um, she runs this art center called Be Calm in Three Pines. And Tantu Cardinal is just, she is, she's, she's a phenomenal actress, but she's got so much depth and spirit and spirituality in a way. Um, in her work and she's just gorgeous to watch and she's definitely a favorite me and my mum are, are really obsessed with Tantu and her character I think she's just so watchable and um, and she's also another great human who is very very playful I, I had a really nice time with Tantu on set and she's she's my kind of person so I really got along with her well how did your mom feel about seeing um, the, some of the jewelry she crocheted, um, like you wearing that on the show? Um, she doesn't really. She doesn't talk about it too much. I think she's kind of happy that it happened, but she's not a very. Um, she's not like telling everyone about that. She's she's just happy that her little girl is on is is in it. I think that's what's exciting to her and. Um, yeah, I think she gets more excited about that than than anything else, and she's very sweet. She'll 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 listen to this interview. She'll listen to it all. You know, it's that classic parent um, <laughs> who wants to <laughs> double down everything that you're doing and listen to it all and and take it all in. Um, so yeah, I think she appreciated it. But, so we have to say hi to your mom. Um, so hi, mom. <laughs> yeah. She's called Andrea Tierney, and she is a wonderful artist. And if you want to find her artwork on on Instagram or online, it's Andrea Tierney. And my sister is called Elsa Tierney, and so we are Anna and Elsa, like the Frozen. Princesses. I don't know if you've watched Frozen. Wow. <laughs> Pre-Frozen, of course. <laughs> yeah, coincidence. Wow, that is something. <laughs> Your mom was a visionary in that. Um, That's right. 
those <laughs> names. So, Matt, I don't know. What do you think of all these coincidences? <clears throat> oh, cert- this all is like a beautiful story. Yeah, certainly interesting for sure. How it all kind of like goes full circle, like I guess. Um, I have a. I'm curious how roller derby fits into all of this. <laughs> Just one of the many hobbies I decided to take up in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, why not add roller derby to the list? Um, oh, I love roller derby. I I played for around ten years. I I did stop um, more recently just because. I was trying to start a life here in Toronto and, and it was it was just too much. I had to I had to give something up in order to right. make make something happen here and, and it's very all all consuming. Um, you know, you train multiple times a week and and um so I played with the, the London uh, London roller derby and then I also uh, for a brief moment, I made the A-team, the Toronto roller derby A-team, and then swiftly uh, had to leave because it was the middle of winter and it's a very physical sport and I had no time and it was such a long journey to travel and I was covered in bruises. I looked like I'd just been in street <laughs> fights constantly and it was like, i gotta, I got to do something here. Um, but no, I, I played... Um, since leaving drama school, I discovered it through um, the daughter of a director I had worked with at drama school. She was she was big into it, and she took me to see a game, and I was just stunned watching it because the predominantly female played sport, right. and it's just incredible to watch and to watch women um, being so powerful and so athletic and I think it's a sport that should be that should be on every sport channel it's so entertaining it's so incredibly (laughs) athletic and physical and it's also family friendly which I think not all football games are you know I don't think you can say the same for every male dominated sport necessarily and it's it's just it's the best it's electric when you watch it it's uh, I don't know if you've how much you know about roller derby but i i've seen it on tv like it used to be on tv a lot more when i was younger i remember seeing it. um not so much it's changed a lot since then yeah. i don't know which, what yeah i think it i think back in the day when it was the first kind of version of roller derby it was it was more of a kind of you know, everyone's kind of playing up to the crowd and yeah. the bank track and everyone's in costume. And yep. but now, you know, and I encourage people not to watch documentaries on Netflix that say that they're covering the sport because they usually go for the most sensational kind of version of it, which is that the people who are still playing that kind of early, slightly jokey version of yeah. the sport. But now it's honestly, it's so, it's, so much more advanced than it ever was. The sport, because it's still in its infancy, keeps getting better and more advanced, and it keeps getting harder to play because you know the players keep getting more and more skilled at their offense and defense. And um, but I guess the sad, well, it's it's a remarkable thing that it it's only an amateur sport, and yet they achieve so much so like you'd have women who are doctors or you know just any old job 
and yet they're still playing the sport and doing running the league in their spare time for no money and raising the money to do it which means they don't have to take you know sponsorship and all the rest of it but it means a hell of a lot of work and I would like to see a future where you know there's some investment in the sport and it's allowed to still retain its kind of diverse sometimes queer often queer um identity and be you know a great place for women in sport um i think that would be a really exciting thing what was your first time uh doing it like i mean were you like nervous afraid you're gonna get hurt uh, that sort of thing or did you just get out there well, and like ah <laughs> but they don't let you just play a game straight away they you know back in the day it used to be called fresh meat i think they call it something (laughs) less less like scary now they've put off by the idea of calling it fresh meat um where you would you'd learn the basics of skating and of roller derby and then gradually you know the more you progress in your training you start to play uh you start to scrimmage in training And then you start playing games. Um, so I, I took to it very quickly because I had rollerbladed a lot as a kid, and mm-hmm. so I liked. I was I was confident on skates, and I liked going fast, and I had good balance. Um, the roller skates compared to blades is a whole other story. And once you get the hang of it, you can be really agile. It's it's, it's much more fun than than blades, but. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> don't, don't get me going. I'll talk about it for too long. <laughs> it's it's just like so. I mean, I don't want to say it seems like out of character or whatever, but it's just unexpected, I guess. Um, of of me, of what yeah. I look like, me. Yeah. I know. Well, I think that I I look like a kind of some sort of English rose. But then, you know, my friends would say too, like one of my friends at drama school, she'd say, oh, Anna, you know, you look so lovely. And then you open your mouth and it, you just got such a foul mouth. <laughs> and I'm not swearing today on this podcast, obviously, but, you know, I think when I'm allowed to be me, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I don't sound maybe exactly as I look or, but. Yeah. Well, next time when you come back, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kat, uh, what do you, what else do you have? Uh, I was just curious about what's next for you. What are the future plans? I know, I guess you're waiting to see if Three Pines is getting um, season two, um, mm-hmm. but um, what? projects do you are you looking forward to in the new year yeah um well very much hoping that it gets a season two you know it's it's been number one in i think all the territories bar bar one which is number two and so the figures are there so we're really hoping for a, a season two and i think we'll find out soon um and so if that happens that will be one of the projects next year and 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 other than that, I'm I'm looking forward to keeping going with uh, with my other creative practices, my my pottery, and 
and my writing and just kind of trying to take a step back and and see what what suits um and i did i see that um the musician let's see that one of the songs of um is it your husband or uh or, yeah yes uh, yeah yeah that's really amazing too um it's really amazing and it happened so because i was in contact with amelia um the creator i and she knew i was out here and i was like do you want me to send you canadian music because we were talking about uh, musicians and she was like absolutely because she was you know doing her own research but any any Canadian knowledge was only going to be more helpful. So I, I sent her a whole selection of different musicians, one of them being uh, some of Gabe's earlier music, which was much more folky and spooky and perfect for the show. And I made sure not to mention who Gabe was because I wanted anyone's music to stand out of its own accord. And so right. I sent her a whole selection of different things. And one of the songs was Northern Lights, which was, song that he wrote I think when he was 23 and it's this beautiful haunting Canadian song and and it got used in in episode three and and it was only later that Amelia discovered that you know Gabe then became my husband and was my partner and um so yeah it's nice to know that it was it was chosen of it artistic merit and it wasn't a kind of a shoo-in or anything but um yeah it's been it's been wonderful I think this song could be another kind of Canadian anthem I think it's so true and beautiful and pure this song and um I encourage everyone to go listen to it it's his yeah. early band which was called White Brow and the song is called Northern Lights yeah well, I just think you have the most beautiful story. Um, you know, I can't wait to see like what the next chapter is like and how the connections just keep, you know, you have all these backstories that lead to kind of the next chapter. So uh, I'll be really curious to have you back as a guest again and um, see what else has developed. That's lovely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really lovely way to spend, spend the hour. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anna. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much. All right, well, enjoy your holidays and uh, enjoy through time and see you when the next see you. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com. Or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.